Get Sleepy is a production of Slumber Studios and is made possible thanks to the generous support of our sponsors and premium members. If you'd like to listen ad-free and access weekly bonus episodes, extra long stories, and our entire back catalogue, you can try out Premium free for seven days by following the link in the episode notes. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. I'm your host, Thomas. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tonight, we resume our sleepy retelling of the classic tale of Cinderella. This is the second of three parts in this series. The first episode came out last Monday, which I'll recap in just a moment. But if you haven't heard that one yet, feel free to pause here and go back and listen to part one now. You can always return to this episode when you're ready. In the first part of our tale, we met a young woman named Arabella. When her father's travels take him away from home, she's left with her mean-spirited stepmother and stepsisters. As the years go by, Arabella is forced to cook and clean for them. Before long, they've started calling her Cinderella because of the soot that covers her clothing. One day, the king and queen of the realm announce they are taking their son, the prince and heir, on a trip around the kingdom, and they'll be having a ball to which all the best families are invited. After her stepmother and stepsisters leave, Cinderella is left at home and dejected on the night of the ball. But then, to her surprise, a beautiful spectral woman appears near her mother's beloved hazel tree. The apparition says she is Cinderella's godmother. She dresses Cinderella in a beautiful gown and delicate slippers, and adorns her with her mother's precious jewelry. And with a wave of her hand, she creates a magical pumpkin carriage. But the godmother warns Cinderella that she must be home by midnight before the enchantment ends. Shortly, we'll pick up where we left off and continue our tale. But first, 
Let's take a brief moment to get truly settled so we can enjoy this story to the fullest. As with all three parts of this tale, the stories are nice and lengthy, so you've got ample time to drift off while you listen along. With that in mind, just take some deep breaths in through the nose and softly out through the nose or mouth. And remind yourself that there's nothing left for you to do today. Now is your time to simply let things be and to rest and recharge. Anything that you didn't manage to get done today, know that you'll find some time to sort it in the days ahead. Your only goal right now is to relax and enjoy the opportunity to rest. So continue to breathe in a slow and steady pattern, sensing your body and mind giving in to the comfort more and more with each soothing exhale. Now, we're ready to return to our story. We pick up the tale with Cinderella stepping into her magical carriage on her way to the prince's ball. This is where our story begins. Henry the coachman held out his hand gallantly and gestured to the step that would allow his lovely passenger to take her seat. The coach itself was very fine in appearance, far more impressive than anything her sisters could have borrowed from a neighbour. It was a rich brown colour, and it stood up high on large, spindly wheels. There were lamps mounted on either side, in both the front and the back, so that the night would not seem so dark. Slipping into the coach with wonder, Cinderella settled into its comfortable upholstered seats, and Henry handed her a soft blanket 
to keep her warm. Then he climbed up onto the driver's seat and clucked his tongue imperiously. The horses trotted gaily forward, giving Cinderella just a brief moment to wave gratefully to her godmother, who seemed to already be fading from the garden. Cinderella peered backwards for a moment, not wanting her to disappear. This was all such a whirlwind. She didn't want the magic to dissipate too. What had formerly seemed a blustery and unforgiving night became an evening of clear skies and chilly stars. Cinderella snuggled down under her blanket in the comfortable coach, feeling the soft bouncing of the conveyance as it sped across the miles to her destination. She had hardly left the house in years, let alone having gone anywhere in such style. Although her mind was on the magical night ahead, she also wanted to relish every single moment of this impossible trip. Almost too soon, the carriage was slowing down as it entered the long circular drive of the country palace. Cinderella had heard of this place, but she had never actually laid eyes on it, and it was truly magnificent. The palace had been constructed more than a hundred years ago, and it boasted a huge main portico in the center, creating the grandest approach possible. This part of the palace was flanked by a dramatic tower at either end. East and west wings stretched on either side of those towers in a horseshoe shape. These portions of the house were nearly identical, and Cinderella couldn't help trying to count how many bedrooms they must contain. There were pillars lining the entire front of the building, interspersed with rows of very tall windows that hinted of high-ceilinged reception rooms within. Atop the roofs of all these parts of the palace, were statues, which felt like they were the dignitaries of the past, keeping watch over the arrivals. It was all Cinderella could do to muster her courage and lift up her chin 
when the footman opened the door to her carriage and invited her to step down. As she set first one and then the other delicate slipper down to the front steps, she looked back over her shoulder at Henry. He winked at her and signaled the horses that they were to move forward. She knew that he would be back for her in time to return to her home before the spell broke. He was such a faithful friend. Taking a deep breath, she looked up at the tall flight of stone stairs and began to climb. As she did, the beautiful strains of a waltz and the golden glow of what seemed to be a thousand low-lit lamps poured out the front doors. She became briefly concerned when she saw that guests were waiting at the door to be announced one by one. How would she explain her presence to her stepmother? In all the commotion, however, she was able to slip by the group of people at the entrance and melt into the crowd unnoticed. But this invisibility was short-lived, for Cinderella was truly unaware of what a stunning beauty she was. Even if she had not been wearing the most incredible gown in the room, her natural loveliness would have drawn every eye. As she drifted through the ballroom, taking in the lavish food, the opulent decorations, and the festive music, she left a trail of turning heads and whispers in her wake. It was the question on every other guest's tongue. Who was this astounding young lady? Nobody seemed to know. In fact, her transformation was so profound that Lydia and her daughters had no idea that their Cinderella was in their presence. Until the moment she arrived, they were focused entirely on the royal family, who were seated graciously on elaborate chairs in the front of the room. The king and queen were all smiles, and the prince was more handsome than any of them had dared to hope. The three women were in consultation about what they could do to gain an introduction or catch the prince's eye. Thus far, he had not left his seat. 
But when Cinderella floated through the ballroom, caught up in her own awe, the prince shifted forward a bit in his chair. His gaze into the crowd intensified. Then he summoned a stately-looking servant who was posted near him and whispered in the man's ear. The man might have been seen to gaze across the room, easily identifying the subject of the prince's interest. As it turned out, the prince would not be seated much longer. Rather than summon the object of his admiration to stand in front of his chair, the prince rose and walked towards Cinderella. As he did, the assembled crowd parted smoothly before him, each guest dropping in a bow. When he reached the glittering girl, she summoned the most graceful curtsy she could manage and looked down at his shoes, whispering, Your Royal Highness. He reached out his hand and lifted her up, meeting her gaze with a warm smile. In response, he said, Would you honor me with a dance? It had been years since Cinderella's childhood dancing lessons, but that didn't seem to matter. The prince was a confident lead, and it seemed her feet simply knew where to go. As they swayed and spun and laughed, the other couples in the ballroom and the gawkers on the sidelines seemed to melt away. Breathless with delight, they never seemed to stop to talk, and the prince appeared to have no desire to choose a new partner. With the vibrant colors of the frescoes spinning above their heads, and the smooth marble of the floor gliding under their feet, the hours became minutes, and they had still not exchanged names. It seemed impossible to Cinderella when she heard the clock toll eleven. It was, she later reflected, the most doleful sound she had ever heard. Knowing she only had a few minutes to make her leave, she shyly told the prince that she would be right back, for what else could she say to him? that would not end with having to reveal her name. 
he stepped back graciously, nodding his head. Then he said, I will be counting the moments. The crowd around them murmured as she moved towards the front hall. As soon as she had separated from him, they closed in, hoping to finally get a chance to introduce him to the other young ladies who had been watching him dance with this mysterious girl all evening. Seeing her opportunity, and knowing it was probably brief, Cinderella flew across the front hall in her slippers, lightly running down the front steps. As she had hoped, her carriage was waiting with Henry in the driver's seat. A footman opened the carriage door for her, and she slipped quietly into the safe darkness of the cushioned interior. In a moment, Henry had urged the horses forward, and the coach rolled down the drive in a stately manner, as if nothing in the world were amiss. Cinderella leaned back in her seat, a tad breathless, and put her hand on her flushed cheek. She was filled with a rush of contradictory emotions. The thrill of the evening and of the prince's company competed with her nervousness at being discovered. She couldn't even imagine the wrath Lydia and her stepsisters would direct at her if they found out she had been the one to monopolize the prince all evening. And how could she possibly explain this dress, this incredible carriage, her dog turning into a coachman, As Henry whisked her away towards home, she laughed to herself, pulling the blanket up to her chin. This entire experience had been so unbelievable. She imagined regaling her father with the tale, and tears briefly welled up in her eyes. Oh, how she would have loved to share it with him. The carriage pulled into the driveway well before midnight. As she had expected, nobody else was home. Agnes and Imogen would be staying at the ball until the last possible moment no doubt returning in a few hours. In the meantime, 
she knew the magic would only last a few more moments. Wanting to hang on to it as long as possible, she left Henry in the coach and followed the path back to her mother's garden. The stars winked in the cold skies above, and a light breeze whistled through the courtyard. She sat gingerly on the edge of the stone bench, taking care not to damage the beautiful fabric of her gown. Lovingly touching her necklace, she closed her eyes and whispered a heartfelt thanks to this fairy who had appeared to help her. This godmother had changed her entire life in a single evening. At that moment, she felt through the necklace and the presence of that magic, like her mother was truly with her, and that perhaps she always had been. She was not alone. There was no clock to toll in the garden, but midnight broke the enchantment with a whisper. It was as if a gentle wind brushed across her. The leaves tumbled over the paving stones in a small gust. Then she was once again in her house dress, with Henry wagging his tail at her side turning to look at the place where the carriage had stood, she saw the pumpkin. With resignation, she walked over to it and returned the gourd to its slumber in the patch. She looked at Henry with a small smile, and he tilted his head and whimpered softly. It's time for bed, my friend, she said quietly. And then, she made her way into the darkened house, taking refuge in her bedroom. She lit a small fire for herself, to ward off the freezing night air, and then she gratefully climbed into bed. She was so very tired all of a sudden. Cinderella closed her eyes, and all she saw were silk gowns spinning and twirling and the handsome face of the prince, who would surely haunt her dreams. When she opened her eyes again, 
The sun was streaming through the drapes, and the house was quiet. Cinderella sat up and stretched luxuriously. The events of the night before came flooding back, prompting her to slide out of bed and peek out of the window. The borrowed carriage from the neighbor stood in the driveway, and there was no sign of her adventures. The garden looked the same as it always did. There was no gown, no fairy godmother, no pair of chestnut horses, and Henry was standing inside her bedroom door, anxious for her to open it. Looking at the clock, she realized she had slept in. It was already eight, and she had fires to light and breakfast to serve. Luckily, the other exhausted ladies of the house were still abed and might sleep through the morning. She hoped so, as she was in no mood to hear their stories from the ball. Cinderella was in luck. Lydia, Agnes, and Imogen were snoring away in their rooms until the sun was high in the sky. The moody weather of the day before had been replaced by brilliant, crisp weather, and Cinderella felt happier than she'd been in years. She hummed to herself as she completed her usual chores, unable to stop smiling about her secret. She might never again attend such a wonderful ball, but she felt as if the memory would stay with her forever. Most importantly, though, she felt like there was a protective presence in the house with her now. It was as if there was nothing Lydia or her stepsisters could do or say to hurt her feelings anymore. When they finally did get themselves up, the other ladies were far more interested in gossiping about the ball than they were in taunting Cinderella. As she went about her daily tasks, she listened to them surreptitiously discussing the glamorous event and the mystery woman who had so enchanted the prince. To be certain, they were both quite put out that neither of them claimed a dance with him. Their mother chastised Agnes and Imogen 
saying they must not have such ridiculous expectations. It was important that they were seen in the company of all the fashionable people present. It would certainly increase their chances of landing another eligible gentleman from the neighborhood. The girls both received this scolding with ill temper. As soon as their mother left the room, they returned to their scandalized whispering. The household returned to its daily routine, but the boredom was not to last for long. A few days later, another invitation arrived. It seemed that the royal family had decided to throw a second ball, and all the ladies of the house were once again invited. This threw Agnes and Imogen into a fair tizzy, and the dressmaker was summoned once again. Another section of Malcolm's library disappeared, and new gowns were ordered. After all, Lydia said over dinner, a young lady could not be seen twice in the same gown at consecutive royal balls. The dance was to be held in a week's time, and as the earliest days of winter settled upon the household, the mood was festive. On their social visits around town, Agnes and Imogen had heard the rumor that the prince was hoping to once again attract the dazzling young lady who had so intrigued him on the last occasion. Naturally, the two awkward sisters hoped that she wouldn't appear this time, so they could have another chance at meeting the prince. However, there were always other gentlemen who would be present, and as their mother pointed out, that was of great value to them. Secretly, Cinderella was torn, and she became a bit clumsy with her chores for her daydreaming. On one hand, she couldn't help hoping that her magical fairy godmother would turn up again and produce the beautiful dress and the coach for a second time. However, the practical side of the girl wanted to guard her heart from disappointment. She resolved to assume that she would not be granted that gift a second time. Once was good enough, she told herself, 
once was enough. But she dreamed of dancing at night. The day of the second ball finally arrived. Lydia had trespassed upon the kindness of yet another neighbor and borrowed a passable carriage. Meanwhile, Agnes and Imogen were more demanding than ever. Cinderella was required to starch their crinolines until they practically stood up on their own. She was ordered to curl and arrange hair, to help with buttoning gowns. She had hardly a moment to dwell on what the night may or may not have held that would contribute to her own happiness. This time, as she watched the carriage with the other ladies pull away, she knew that she'd be heading straight for her bench in the garden. Henry trotted at her heels, and her shawl was pulled tightly around herself again, for the scent of the first snow was on the wind, and the cold was biting. Pushing open the gate, she felt some disappointment not to see her golden dress hanging on the tree once more. She chastised herself and perched on the stone bench, ruefully scratching Henry behind the ears. It had been too much to hope that her fairy godmother would make the magic happen a second time. Looking up at the sky, she tried to think positive thoughts. She closed her eyes and relived those breathless moments of gliding across the dance floor on that last perfect night. She felt the starry candlelight all around her. She felt the heat of the crowded room. She sensed the smoothness of the marble under her feet. And when she opened her eyes again, her astonishment knew no bounds. To her left, a shining silver gown glittered in the tree. Beneath it, a pair of lovely matching slippers balanced on the ground, and on an outer branch next to the dress hung a delicate silver and sapphire necklace. She was nearly certain once again that it was a treasure that had mysteriously come from her mother's box. She was sure she had seen it before. 
Turning her head, she saw with joy that her shimmering fairy godmother stood nearby. She smiled at Cinderella, managing to be at the same time hardly visible and completely present. Her love and goodwill flooded the garden with a rosy glow that lifted the girl's spirits. With a small gasp, Cinderella realized she was about to have another adventure. Without a word, the apparition motioned again towards the pumpkin in the garden. Then she waved her other hand at two birds sitting in the hazel tree. Instantly, a coach stood in the driveway. It was even more magnificent than the rich brown one of the last ball. This carriage was black, lavishly trimmed with silver. In front of it, a team of powerful ebony horses stood, each wearing a feather atop its headdress. Once again, grinning as if sharing her delight, Henry stood dressed in a livery that matched the coach, waiting for his mistress to be ready. Bursting with happiness, Cinderella spun in a circle, knowing that the dress would be on her in a moment. As she completed her revolution, its gauzy silver layers floated down gently around her, as if enveloping her in a dream. She put one white-gloved hand up to her neck and felt the weight of her mother's sapphire resting there, and her fingers touched the curls that cascaded elegantly about her head. She was ready. But her godmother had a warning to repeat. Dear girl, do not forget that this magic will expire at midnight. Do not lose your head and stay too long, or you will once again be revealed in your rags. Your coach will be a pumpkin, fit only for the patch. Your horses and your coachman will be birds and a dog. Keep your wits about you, and all will be well. Cinderella clasped her hands and nodded firmly. She promised her fairy godmother that she would not forget. Then, 
she made haste, for she was thrilled with the promise of the evening to come, and she didn't want to lose a minute. And off the coach went, with the horses clip-clopping merrily down the road, pulling their darling Cinderella towards the royal ball once again. The night was overcast with the promise of snow, and the moon peeked out from the clouds only from time to time. As the carriage sped towards the palace, white snowflakes began flying by the windows, visible in the light of the lamps at either end. It was a gentle snow, appearing with the lightest touch, as if to shyly introduce the winter once again. When the coach pulled up to the palace, the blazing lamps inside seemed even more festive than they had the last time. In contrast to the first bite of winter on the front steps, the entrance hall was a beacon of light. The darkness instantly melted away as guests crossed the threshold and were announced. Once again, Cinderella slipped by briefly unnoticed. However, this was just barely, for her appearance in the entryway to the ballroom created an immediate stir. Decorum fell by the wayside when the ripple of excitement in the crowd reached the front of the room. This was where the royal family once again sat, presiding over the event. Forgetting his royal position, the prince involuntarily stood from his seat, his eyes burning a path across the crowd to the place where Cinderella stood, a silvery vision. For, of course, she had no idea that she was the most beautiful woman in the room. She was, in fact, the most lovely girl anyone there could remember seeing. Not only was her gown even more magnificent than the one she had worn before, but there was something new and luminous in her. She radiated hope, self-confidence. She was suffused with a certain something nobody could put their finger on. 
it could only be described as magic. A thousand whispers could be heard as the prince walked straight towards Cinderella, who stood fixed in place like a statue. Upon reaching her, he smiled from ear to ear, and bowed down, saying, May I have this dance? She couldn't hide her expression of delight as she accepted his hand, and he whirled her onto the dance floor as if they were simply picking up where they had left off, resuming their dance from the night when she vanished after the stroke of eleven. Cinderella felt as though her feet were not even touching the ground. In that moment, she hadn't a care in the world. Swept away by the music, and the thrill of it all. She was brought back to reality only when the prince spoke to her. We haven't actually been introduced, he said, with a lopsided smile. It's ridiculous, but I haven't even mentioned that my name is Edward. Cinderella had in fact known that his name was Edward. Everybody knew. What her mind was slowly registering, however, was that he was politely attempting to find out what her name was in exchange. Of course, She had mentally prepared for this unavoidable moment. If the gossip was true, he'd been eager to locate her a second time. In coming here, she'd resolved to somehow enjoy his company again, without revealing her identity. Because truly, beyond the wrath she would experience from Lydia, what would he think of her if he found out who she really was? How could he possibly continue to see her, knowing of her humble position in a household that was fast ascending into debt? A fatherless girl with no fortune No, she had vowed he would not discover her identity, and she would somehow avoid lying to him in the process. Smiling shyly, she looked down at her shimmering skirts, which floated around the pair as they danced in perfect time. Then, summoning a little bit of courage, she said, I will tell you my name 
if you can guess what I call my little dog. At this, the prince laughed aloud. It was rare that any young lady had the courage to play such a game with him. Stepping with renewed vigor, he started trying out names. Spot, Buster, Captain, he offered. She shook her head with a sly smile. Well, is it a girl or boy? he asked. You must narrow it down for me. Cinderella cocked her head to the side as they swayed back and forth. She felt that it wouldn't hurt her subterfuge to offer him this concession. He is a boy, she said primly. At this, Edward gained a comical look of concentration. Miles? Jasper? he continued. Narrowing his eyes, he added, I feel quite sure you are the type to have a dog named Jasper. Smiling indulgently, Cinderella shook her head. You are wrong, she countered. I had an uncle named Jasper, and I found him quite dull. At this, the prince grinned once again and swung her faster in a circle. In that moment, she felt she had never been happier in her life. The riddle of her dog's name derailed Edward from pressing her for her identity. But she had another problem. Somehow, she had to create the notion that she might take a break on the veranda and still return to dance with him again. After she'd given him the slip at the last ball, he was anxious not to lose track of her a second time. How could she slip out later? More than once, she begged a few moments to rest, making sure she didn't leave the room. During those times, while she sipped some punch or rested her feet, he was obligated to speak with other guests who clamored for his attention. When the clock struck eleven, her heart sank. Just one more dance. Just two more dances, she told herself. There will be plenty of time. By eleven thirty, she knew she hadn't another moment to spare. 
she told Edward she would be taking a breath of air in the hallway. He regretfully turned to talk with other guests, while she made her way into the tall ceilinged foyer. Then, as quietly as a mouse, she slipped out the front door, unnoticed. She made haste to her waiting carriage, where Henry tapped his foot impatiently. On her journey homeward, she saw that the world had become frosted with white. With snowflakes flying wildly around them, Henry urged the horses to travel faster. As they moved quickly through the snowy countryside, he didn't need to say a word to his mistress. Cinderella knew that she had almost made a critical error by staying so late. She chided herself for her foolishness and hoped they would make it back before the stroke of midnight. The coach pulled up to a darkened house once again, and Cinderella had barely stepped to the ground when her entire carriage vanished. Suddenly in her rags again, she turned to see Henry sitting next to the pumpkin. He barked at her as the two birds, once her beautiful ebony horses, flew off into the night. She stood still for a moment, catching her breath in the courtyard. It felt to her like everything was beginning to move too quickly. What had first been a fantasy for a single evening had turned into so much more. She realized with a sinking feeling that she had given herself over to the magic too much. She had allowed herself to hope for something better, for love, for another life. And now, she couldn't take her heart back. She had already given it to Edward. Dragging the enormous pumpkin back to its place in the garden, she slowly made her way up to her room. Once there, she shut herself securely inside lighting a warm fire in the hearth to comfort her. Donning her nightdress, she slowly climbed into bed. It was too dark to see the snow falling outside, 
but she fell asleep to the tip-tapping of the little ice crystals as they hit the window in the darkness. She slept deeply and dreamed of dancing. The morning dawned with heavy, leaden skies. The world outside was coated in white, but to Cinderella, the monochrome landscape felt bleak rather than pretty. Her mood certainly matched the scenery. How could she face her real life after her enchanting second night with Edward? After the first ball, the prince had been more of an idea than an actual bow. But now, he was first and foremost a handsome suitor who had a maddeningly attractive sense of humor as well. The thought that she would never see him again was almost more than she could bear. Agnes and Imogen were likewise in a dark mood. Not only had the mysterious woman once again monopolized the prince all night, but they had also failed to land any decent potential suitors. Making matters worse, the royal family was scheduled to leave soon, making progress to another county where they would spend the rest of the winter. The two pouting misses took out their lack of sleep and their frustrations on Cinderella, petulantly demanding she complete all types of unusual tasks, and scolding her when they were not done to their satisfaction. Of course, satisfying them would have been impossible. They were unfailingly contrary, and nothing would make them happy on that day. In the afternoon, while Lydia and her stepsisters were napping, Cinderella pulled on a heavy shawl and went outside, standing in the middle of her garden. The fountain was silent and frozen, and the branches of the hazel tree were coated in ice. Closing her eyes, she wished fervently that her fairy godmother would appear and offer some kind of comfort to her. But try as she might, she was not able to conjure the kindly apparition. 
for the first time in her young life, Cinderella felt alone in the little courtyard that had once been her sanctuary. As a gust of wind whirled up the snow from the ground, she wiped away a tear. What good had the magic been if it had all come to nothing? Retreating to the house, she took advantage of the peace and quiet, falling into a heavy sleep on her bed.